Africa Calling, a bi-monthly podcast with sound-rich reports from our correspondents on the continent. African Voices reporting on African stories produced by Radio France International. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Africa Calling podcast on December 24th, 2021. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. We have a nice mix of stories from our correspondents on the African continent this week, from politics to farming to fun. In this episode, our Gambia correspondent gives us an update on how the country is faring just two weeks after the presidential election. Our Kenya correspondent takes a look at battery cage poultry farming, a popular way to raise chickens, but it's not necessarily the best way, says one expert. From Nigeria, we have a report on a fun way for Lagosians to check out where they live from a different perspective and explore Africa's biggest city. And finally, don't forget our special song at the end. In the Gambia, two weeks after Adama Barrow's re-election as president of the country for a second term, Gambians have returned to business as usual. This, unlike in 2016, when Gambians experienced a political impasse after former President Yahya Jame refused to accept the fact that he had lost. Correspondent Sally Jang looks at the atmosphere after the elections in Banjul. The mix of the sea breeze and music here in the Gambia means it is an ordinary beach day in a country that is sold as the smiling coast of Africa. It's filled with Gambian families seeking to relax and celebrate these beautiful beaches. Today's ambience at the beach looks like just another ordinary weekend. What is not ordinary, however, is Gambians worried about the aftermath of an election that was very tense in the days leading up to the December 4th polls. Aisatu, a mother of three, is relieved that none of the anticipated tensions were carried out in the country. Today, she joined the hundreds of Gambians that came out to the beach for a family phone day. Before the election, we were worried that something might happen. But here we are, after the election, and everything is normal. That's why we dare come out. I'm so happy, and I had so much. Gambia, one love, one family. One thing that is quite noticeable is the small number of tourists enjoying the beach. Amadou, a juice presser at the beach, makes varieties of juice with local fruits, attracting tourists. He says the scarcity of customers was justified by the fears of post-election violence. This affected his business. He used to make nearly $60 a day. But he is happy that the situation is much better than the aftermath of 2016 elections, he says while making juice. The past two years have been very challenging because business has been slow due to COVID-19. But the local people, as well as my brothers and sisters, have been very supportive. In 2016, during the political impasse, I was still coming to the beach, although I closed the business. Sometimes I didn't see a single person, or I saw just one or two people. I'm so happy that after this year's election, everything's back to normal. Just like the 2016 elections, this year candidates rejected the election results, but hasn't affected the everyday lives of ordinary Gambians. Challenging the election results 
has for the most part been civil, with supporters of candidate Usenu Dabo of the UDP party hoping for a positive court ruling. Sadibu, an opposition supporter, says he felt the election was rigged. The election, I feel very big surprise because... I was very surprised after the election because we went out and voted, but the candidate we voted for, they said did not win. I felt cheated and everyone in the country is sick. Everyone is moving very slow. I was very sad and I'm still sad. I won't tell Adamabaro we didn't vote for him. This is the first time Gambians went to the polls without ex-president Jame's name on the ballots. Some Gambians believe Jame, who ruled the country in a 22-year brutal dictatorship, used tribalism to divide the people. Seninjai, a taxi driver, told Africa Calling that the election went peacefully, but most people are divided because of their tribal affiliation. He is worried this division will further threaten the peaceful coexistence among Gambians. Today what we are seeing in the Gambia is very worrying. Tribalism is dominating in the country and this is not what the Gambia is known for. I think the leaders need to solve this division. Previously in the Gambia you wouldn't know who is a Mandingo, Wolof, Fula or Jola. But today you easily notice the differences among us and this is very dangerous for any society. As the opposition awaits the court's decision, they remain hopeful that the court will nullify the election results. Life on the streets of the Gambia is back to normal for the most part as families are preparing for festive Christmas and New Year's celebrations. Salijeng, reporting for Africa Calling from Banjul, The Gambia. Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International. In Kenya, poultry farmers have started venturing into the battery cage system of rearing chicken. This is due to the lack of land, the high demand of eggs, but it's also a way of curbing the human-animal conflicts that arise. However, animal welfare organizations are advising against this kind of system, saying it restricts animal freedom. Our reporter, Victor Maturi, met some farmers and has filed the following report. At Stella Njeroge's poultry farm, located in the outskirts of Kikuyu town in Kiambu County, Kenya, workers and buyers are busy counting eggs and putting them on the trays. Njeroge is a well-known poultry farmer in this area and she uses the battery cage system in rearing chicken. In the battery cage system, poultry are placed and reared in rows and columns of identical cages connected in a unit. Generally, cages are around 40 cm high, 34 cm width, and 37 cm long. Njuroge says before she ventured into the battery cage system, she used the deep litter system, a method whereby chicken are reared on the floor covered with sawdust or litter to prevent birds from direct contact with the bare floor. According to Njuroge, the battery cage system is a game changer to her poultry farming since it's easy to manage. Uh, I've done this type of system now for a year and something but before I had started with a few chicken and I was doing them on deep litter so I now graduated to doing on the battery system cages there's a good margin when you're producing the eggs on average around uh, on a, supposed to be around 70 trays a day 
and also I do organic farming, so I use the manure uh, for my farming. So it's uh, a dual thing for me. It helps me a lot. Poultry farming is seen as one of the profitable ventures in East Africa region due to high demand for meat and eggs. This has led farmers using various methods of chicken rearing to boost their productivity. Njuroge started using the battery cage system because of scarcity of space at her compound. This space currently used to house 500. Now it is housing 2,500. So you can see it is times five of what I used to have before. So that, looking at the bottom line, it is also increasing. And I'll still use the same one worker and me, the two of us. So you see, there is a return on investment when you use the, the battery system. This one, I'm able to manage disease. I'm able to even identify early. Because you see, you're walking around, you're able to see which one is sick, which one is not feeding well, unlike in the deep litter system. <laughs> Judy Kinoti, one of the buyers who has arrived here to pick eggs, says she likes coming here because of the quality of eggs she gets at this farm. I buy from this particular farmer because our eggs are good quality and my customers give me feedback that the eggs are good, they are soft, they keep on, I like your eggs, they are very good. Yes, so I've gained a number of customers who cannot buy it from anywhere else. In Kamegumo poultry farm, 20 kilometers from Kikuyu town, Peter Kinywa is busy checking on his 2,500 laying hens, commonly known as layers. Here, he both uses deep litter and battery cage system, rearing his poultry. According to Kinyuam, eggs which are produced in cages are highly demanded in most supermarkets, thus giving him quick returns on his investment. Poultry farming is good because there's huge demand for eggs in the market. Also, we supply our eggs direct to supermarkets, so we don't have many competitors. But other farmers are complaining of huge imports of eggs from other countries, sometimes flooding Kenyan markets. That's a challenge. Another challenge is feeding these chickens before they start laying. That needs a lot of feeds, which are very expensive. Lack of land, human-animal conflict, and high rate of diseases are challenges which have pushed most poultry farmers in Kenya to venture into various battery cage systems of rearing layers. Kenya says, apart from getting clean and quality eggs, this method has reduced the theft of poultry on its farm. Putting these chickens in coops is a good thing because they can't get sick easily and they'll be free from predators which may attack them. Theft will also be minimal. In free range sometimes, you can't account for some eggs, so caging or the deep litter system is easy to manage. We've also considered spacing because we look at the size of the coop and the number of chickens we should put in it, so we don't overcrowd them. Because if you overcrowd the chickens, you'll experience losses. However, animal welfare organizations such as World Animal Protection are advising against the caging system, saying that the system restricts birds.
This method limits some of the five freedom of animals, such as freedom from distress and the freedom to express natural behavior. The system also lacks nesting opportunities, resulting in severe frustration for many birds each time an egg is laid. Dr. Victor Yamo is the campaign manager in charge of farming at World Animal Protection Organization. Farmers tend to say that in battery cage system it's easier, the production is good, but if you compare the battery cage system with deep litter systems, when they are well managed, then battery cage systems would not perform as well. But what tends to happen is battery cage system in this country is compared with poor production systems, and that's why farmers think it's good. Battery cage system also stresses the bird and causes diseases. That bird is stepping on wire mesh and is standing on wire mesh for the rest of its life. It doesn't even have capacity and space to lie down. And that then leaves the bird with a lot of wounds. And because of not being able to exercise and because of not having sunlight, the bird also ends up in a situation where the bones become brittle. And it's again, research shows that birds from battery cage system end up with a lot of breakages when they're being moved out and being disposed of as spent layers. Yamo says there are no clear guidelines, especially on legislation on poultry production, giving farmers liberty to practice caging system, adding that this kind of cage system is not globally recognized and has been banned in the European Union countries. According to Yamo, eggs and meat from free-range chicken contain fewer chemicals and antibiotics due to exposure to sunlight and other natural feeds. We are not saying that chickens must be free-ranged, and I think that also needs to come out clearly. What we do not want to see is chickens being put in battery cages because those cages have negative impacts on productivity. There's a production system that is not free range and it's not battery cage system. And one of the things that we look at, good layer farmers in this country are doing deep litter systems. And deep litter system is internationally recognized because then the animals still have enough space. They can scratch because there's litter, they're on the floor, they can scratch, there are spaces where they can rest comfortably, they can do dust bathing, they can patch. Let's not say that the alternative to battery cage system is free-ranging. Osteoporosis is one of the poultry diseases caused by weak bones when birds cannot exercise. Njoroge says she sometimes allows her poultry to exercise for a few hours within the poultry house. I know that's something that animal uh, rights guys have raised about uh, battery cages. But even if you look in that deep litter system, they're still enclosed. Sometimes we allow, when we see one is just seated, we remove them down. We put them down, they walk around the house. So, I don't know. I respect their views, but um, in Europe, I think their battery cages is so man-made. They have automated maybe the temperature and all that. But if you look at mine, which is mostly common in Africa, there's light going through. Despite the huge role poultry farming plays in the Kenyan economy and is a major source of livelihood for many Kenyans, both small and large scale, there is no single statute that regulates poultry farming in Kenya. However, there are animal bills in Parliament yet to be made laws. However, as animal welfare organizations continue lobbying against the battery cage system, Farmers are saying that they will continue using this system until they find a better solution of boosting their poultry production.
reporting for RFI's African Calling. This is Victor Muturi in Kiambu County, Kenya. Check us out on Twitter, Africa underscore underscore calling. We're at Africa underscore underscore calling. And now from Nigeria. In Lagos, a local tourism outfit is utilizing the Danfo, an iconic minibus, to help residents explore Lagos. For those who can't make international travels because of restrictions forced by the global COVID pandemic, the tour outfit, EXP Lagos, provides an opportunity for a staycation and to find local attractions. But for many explorers, it's a way to rediscover their city through the minibus used by everyday Nigerians. From Lagos, Samuel Okocha reports on how residents are exploring Africa's most populous city with the Danfo. That's a shout-out to the driver, using his nickname from this domestic tourist on the bus. It's a Sunday, and we're ready to comb some fun spots in Lagos. Uzo Ume is our tour guide, or better still, the conductor on this Danfo bus. She's the co-founder of EXP Lagos, a tourism outfit using the popular, iconic Danfo bus to explore Lagos. There are people that take this bus every day that still come on this bus. And that's what we're doing it for. We're not doing it for anything to glitz and glamour. We're doing it for everyday Nigerians and for people that want to experience what everyday Nigerians experience every day. At this bus park, yellow Danfo buses haggle for passengers going towards their routes. And that's the story of Lagos. With over 20 million people competing for resources and opportunities, Lagos is indeed a story of hustle, sweat and struggle. There are so many things in Lagos that are in Nigeria that take away our joy. And anybody that is going to curate a business that is focused on bringing joy to the lives of Lagosians, I think is important work. And that's it. I will not be ignorant to the struggles of Lagosians and the struggles of Nigerians in general. But it's still a beautiful place to live. And that's why I do business around showing how beautiful it still can be. Oh, bad move. Thank you. Bad move. Oh, wow. Oh, I see. We have arrived at Rivera, a hospitality spot in the Victoria Island of Lagos. With drinks on table, about a dozen explorers, what Uzo calls people on our tour, are playing various games such as cards and chess. Close by, visitors take a dip in the swimming pool. Here is Sabine, an explorer. It's an easy way to, to find new spots uh, with, with the comfort of of young people with a good vibe, like stress-free, while discovering different environments. Sabine hails from Rwanda, but has been living in Lagos for two years. This Sunday afternoon marks his first time exploring Lagos with Uzo's Danfo bus crew. I believe there's more to discover. I'm very new to Lagos, so, so next time when my people from home ask me what's there in Lagos, I'll have something to say. The Danfo bus is on the move again. Discovering new places in Lagos is not only for new residents like Sabim. We talked to Efosa, who has lived in Lagos since 2007 and has used the Danfo bus before. You meet new people every time. 
it's like you going out alone in a bar, but now you're going out with 10 different people or 20 different people going to different bars. The vibe, the kind of uh, attraction and avenue you get to meet people, you can't compare it to anything else. Yeah, you can't compare. So it's really nice. You get to know where to hang out as well. So I've not been here. We just got, got to the last place. I've not been here before. Now I'm going to know Tiger Bar and I'm going to go in there and meet other people as well. Tiger Bar is packed. Bottles of beer and soups line up on several wooden tables in this well-ventilated space. It's like a garden for beer lovers. Obianuju, who is part of the Danfo Boss crew, is pleasantly surprised here in Tiger Bar. I've met new people, I've met interesting people from diverse parts, even I've met someone who is not Nigerian. She's a young professional working as an HR manager who is looking to expand our horizons and use the service to network. You just meet really good people and good vibes. Yeah, so it helps also form your network as well. So it's a really good thing. It's really good to get engaged and involved in EXP Lagos. It's amazing. I feel everyone should attend. You would love it. You would have good vibes. You meet new people. A new experience prior to EXP Lagos. I never entered a downfall bus. I found this amazing. But it has not been amazing all through. Uzo, along with a business partner, had to pause for most of the pandemic last year. It would be risky parking a bus full of people in the heat of COVID-19. Even till today, our buses are still at half capacity. You know, we're not doing it at the level that we can be. Numbers are lower in terms of, you know, capacity, but... If there's anything the pandemic has taught us is that human connection is going nowhere. So the comeback is not really about finances as it is about emotions. And coming back, I mean, our first event back, you know, felt like some people were going to cry because they haven't seen each other for a while, you know, and they haven't been able to experience Lagos the way that they know to. So the comeback has just been a reminder of how important, you know, human connection and, um, and community is, to be quite honest. Meanwhile, back inside the EXP Danfo Boss, Uzo, who also works as chef, says she's not holding back in her quest to keep exploring. In the next five years, I see myself building a global community with all of my businesses. Honestly, I mean, as you are here uncovering people like me, I'm also working hard to uncover parts of Lagos. So we're all in this journey together to make, you know, I guess a greater Lagos, the way they will say. With Nigeria projected to become the third most populous country in the world before 2050, Lagos will never stay the same. And that means businesses such as Uzo's EXP Lagos will continue to evolve. Till then, Uzo and all of us here will keep exploring. Reporting for RFI's Africa Calling, this is Samuel Okocha in Lagos, Nigeria. Find us on your favorite podcast platform app, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. 
We're almost at the end of our program, and we have a very special surprise for our listeners today. We had the opportunity to speak to Havana-based Afro-Cuban band San Crisobal de Regla, which performs religious music. Their music and culture stems from the African Bantu and Yoruba people, which was brought over by their ancestors who were enslaved. All five band members practice either the Palomonte or Santeria religions and perform for religious ceremonies. We asked them what they would like to say to our African listeners. Jorge Alberto Duquen Mora, a musician and singer in the band, is sending you this prayer in Bantu of the Briumba spirit of the Palomonte religion. Licencia Sambe, después de Sambe vidi Gongo, Ray medio no hay cambio, y San Ciento Furin Ciento, sopla Wiro, ya mañoca. Gangancila no hay un gando que me tatulangando que esté en medio de la finda. Yo sé que me tatulangando un guanguanseño. Sara Maleku, Maleku en Sara. And the head of the group, Andres Jacinto Balayes Chinicle, explains that the religion he practices, Abacua, is originally from the African continent, but there are worshippers only in Cuba. He speaks this incantation at the beginning of the ceremony, and the group responds is Wa o Yayo. He continues the incantation, saluting the stars and the forces of nature, important aspects of his animist religion. Thanks for listening to Episode 9 of Africa Calling. We're taking a break over the holidays, so the next episode will hit on January 21st. We'll leave you with the fabulous live sounds of San Cristobal de Regla performing Arumba Wawanko. I'm Laura Angela Bagneto. This episode was edited and recorded by Cecile Pompiani and Owen Rome. Wishing you all a safe and happy new year.
para bailar. Muchacho, ven 